Beyond the, Beyond the Headlines. This is World Insight. Hello and welcome to World Insight with Jin Tian Wei. Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi spelled out on Tuesday China's foreign policy milestones in the year 2023 and China's vision for diplomacy for the year 2024. Wang called 2023, quote, a year of exploration and harvest for China's diplomacy. Looking ahead, he said China will remain committed to openness and inclusiveness for global partnerships. Wang adds China is keen on sharing new opportunities with the world amid a new development momentum. So what does the speech tell us about China's diplomatic goals for the year 2024 and how will these goals benefit the world? Time to return to our panelists. In Berlin, Ulrich Bruckner, who is the Jean Monnet Professor for European Studies at Stanford University, Joining us in New Delhi, Swaran Singh, professor of uh, uh, Nehru University, and in Beijing, Rong Ying, senior research fellow from China Institute for International Studies. Gentlemen, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for joining us. Now, Professor Rong, go to you first. Uh, this is the first uh, grand speech given by Chinese Foreign Minister and also Director of the Foreign Affairs Office. Uh, tell me more about your general impression as to where China's diplomacy is heading for for this year. What makes the most significant is this is the first when the first major speech by Director and of Minister Wang Yi uh, after the convening of the Central Conference uh, work, uh, the conference on the work related to foreign affairs that was held in one big time. China has now is continued to develop a very strong sense of responsibilities and also to work hard together with the international committee as a whole to play a role of a responsible a major country to address, help find a way to address the challenges facing this world. And for the sake of China's own development, to, for mm -hmm. human development goals, and also for the peace and the stability of the world, which is very much important for China and work as well. Well, I think the world is now aware of the fact that the weight and the connections of China come together with the wish to take more responsibility. What I saw in the overview is more low-hanging fruits, like getting closer ties with countries that have the same worldview, and share a similar perspective for the future or enlarging the relationship with BRICS. This is relatively easy to achieve. Mm -hmm. I haven't really seen much about how to reach out to improve relations with the United States or to improve relations with Europe. There's a lot of reference to the more closer <laughs> picture. While we urgently need the weight of China to improve the dysfunctional system in the world order and to reach out to find common solutions. There's no word about climate change. I understand that this is not particularly a diplomatic question, but something that affects practically everything. And I haven't really seen much about how to improve the global economic situation. I think such a policy speech from China's top and seasoned diplomat uh, is drawing attention as to how China looks at 
having you know sort of reached a stage where it is trying to redefine its approach to world affairs uh, on top of uh, his priorities obviously uh, is description of how last year has achieved a certain stabilization as far as united states relationship was concerned on top of his uh, priorities obviously now is the relationship with united states which had uh, come under certain tensions since president donald trump's period and had continued in that tone for certain period of time but last november a meeting between president xi jinping and president joe biden has brought in a certain stabilization in that big relationship second i think is most important uh, issue for the speech was uh, expansion of brics nations which also has implications for china's efforts to bring in global south to the center stage and of course direct engagement with africa is going to be something which we'll see uh, foreign minister wang yi again visiting to africa which is where normally he visits first in 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 the yeah. beginning of the year and of course the whole focus on multilateralism strengthening multilateralism as an approach to foreign policy is again something which was underlined so in that sense i think uh, it's a certain amount of reassurance uh, of china contributing to uh, overall stabilization of global affairs and especially mm-hmm. when it comes to the recent period having seen ukraine war and israel war in gaza i think that has also distracted global attention away from you know issues like uh, you know the taiwan issue at some stage had become significant cause of tension between united states and china now indeed china is seen contributing to stabilizing the situation in middle east role that china played in ensuring saudi arabia and iran coming closer is underlined uh-huh. so i think it's a fundamentally the relooking and redefining of china how it wishes to engage in global affairs uh, professor brugner uh, what do you make of the significance of san francisco uh, meeting between the two presidents how much do you see that could be the start of the very start of somewhat a new page in a ever evolving picture between china and developed economies including europe well i think it was urgently needed to reach out and to set a more constructive tone because we have seen for many years now a much more confrontational perspective on both sides and that also negatively affects public opinion when i only look at my country China was always seen basically a trade partner and we have mutual benefits and there are of course also political dimensions i always have problems with this distinction this is economic and this is political because if we only look at the belt and road initiative it's clearly both and the same applies to the relations between china and the european union but what we have seen in the relationship between the united states and china it sounds much more like a global not only competition but rivalry in the sense of if we develop a future multilateral order whose rules are applied in this multilateral order and this needs to be openly addressed otherwise it looks like a power play and we end up with a multipolar world in which the rule of the powerful is the one that defines the future of the planet and this is not healthy. Mm. Professor Rong, it seems that Professor Bugner is trying to indicate that 
there has not been strategies clearly lined up as to how China is going to deal with the global north. In other words, developed economies such as the United States and Europe. Uh, is that what you also hear from the speech? No, on the contrary, I would argue that the speech made very clear about its thinking, about the approach, and the, pu the purposes and the goals that China is looking for in terms of its relationship with the global north, if I can say in general, and with the United States and Europe in particular. I think in the speech, uh, Minister Wang Yi made it very clear for United States is looking for a kind of way to for two major countries, uh, the largest developed countries and the developing countries, to find a way to get along together for the new era. And for that, he specifically referred to the common understanding and the consensus arriving from the San Francisco summit, which I think is defined as San Francisco uh, vision, and also call upon a joint effort to implement the vision, to find a way to promote cooperation and address differences. With Europe in general, again, I think the speech made very clear that the purposes of China's develop, I mean, develop relationship with Europe is we will again work together uh, to ensure that the choices by China and Europe will lead to a, a, a sort of a world or in a situation where it would not only benefit uh, China and Europe, but also the world as a whole, as we are facing so many challenges and so many problems ahead. Well, I think we all hear the same speech, but we make different conclusions from it. What people in Europe in particular miss is that on the one hand, China praises its ability to negotiate in conflicts like the successful mentioning of Saudi Arabia, Iran conversations. And this is missing in the case of Russia and Ukraine. I continued saying since the beginning of the Russian invasion in Ukraine that no one has more leverage on Russia than China. With due respect, I would uh, beg to uh, defer uh, in terms of uh, Professor Buchanan's uh, sort of perception of uh, the role of China on the question of the Ukraine crisis, or the leverages or the role that China should have played. I would argue that it is, again, a known fact. China is not directly part, I mean, parties concerned with the conflict. I mean, it is Europe and to some extent, the NATO and the United States has a key, hold the key, for the solution or any, I mean, sort of uh, way out of the, uh, the, 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 the crisis. And in the meantime, China has made great efforts um, in this regard, and not only announcing the expedition paper, putting forward, I mean, the uh, positions related to the use of nuclear weapons, and, and also, I think, by sending special envoys and players in a row to help. And this last but not least, I think it is true, if we look at the speech, Wang Yi made very clear the last highlights, the six highlights of China's diplomacy last year, 2024, 23, with 
help to bring, I mean, in, uh, uh, Saudis and Iran together uh, by providing the good help, good office. And this is exactly, I think, the message China is trying to send out. If you, and Europe is able to work with Russia and to find a way to address the problem of Ukraine, I think China, like other sort of, I mean, peace-loving countries or those who have already contributed in terms of initiatives and ideas, will play a role. But okay. as the saying goes, you can bring the two cows and to the river, but you cannot force them to drink. Going to uh, China's uh, relationship with the Global South, once again, it's a very general term. Uh, Professor Singh, uh, how do you see the approaches that China has taken once, of course, its community of shared future, uh, the expansion of BRICS, uh, the Belt and Road Initiative? One could also argue uh, the being the bridge between Saudi Arabia and Iran is also part of that. So tell me more about how do you see China's approach to the Global South, quote-unquote. Thank you, Zenwei. I think you mentioned uh, several approaches that China has applied in last one or two decades in engaging with the global south, particularly a major engagement with Africa, for example. The difference in China's approach now is that apart from building a strong economic relationship, investment relationship in building projects, now China is beginning to participate in influencing the narratives as to how those relationships around the world should be built. So three important initiatives uh, of last year plus that President Xi has taken in terms of global development initiative, global security initiative, and global civilization initiative is a way to participate and influence the narrative as to how those relationships should be built. And I think China definitely remains, uh, perhaps right now, very strongly engaged with Global South. And from there, you know, trying to emerge as a voice of Global South, emerging as, a, as an important influence on Global South, and taking Global South's voices, interests, and concerns to the uh -huh. global big tables, to the global North. And I think that is where the challenge lies in coming years that China has already built enough strong relationship with the Global South, also has a strong economic relationship with Global North, but now needs to also build similar relationship at the level of sharing narratives in terms of standards, norms, institutions to be built to ensure stable conduct of global affairs with the Global North. One of the things, uh, Professor Buchner, many here are concerned about is whether the world will be only divided or more than anything else divided uh, by ideologies. What do you make of that uh, apparent artificial divide? How to make sure that we are approaching it in a more holistic uh, uh, process rather than one-sided approach? Uh, Professor Bruckner. Well, the good news from the speech is that there's a clear reference to multilateralism. And for many years, people in the North were concerned that we do have a system of multilateralism that is based on the rule of law. And that is now at risk if one hears too much about a multipolar world, which sounds like 
everyone is doing what everyone can do. What we have witnessed, for example, in the invasion of Russia in Ukraine, and that should be replaced by sitting down and finding a global order that is based on rules and norms, or what my colleague from India is referring to, a narrative that we share by using existing international institutions or inventing new ones and not referring to something like what you said rightly, an artificial divide between geographies, because this is not so much about geographies. This is about how we operate as our social contracts, our political order, our economic system. And mm -hmm. we live in a shrinking world in which we have so much in common that we can only address global challenges together. Professor Rong, uh, how much uh, do you see, as presented by Professor Bruckner, uh, would help China uh, in a way to find the right approaches uh, to what we call the global north? Uh, yeah, I think again, um, this is uh, the uh, I would argue that the, the common challenges facing the world, certainly including uh, I mean China, Europe, and the, to some extent United States. And China again has been by putting forward the uh, initiative or the vision for building a community of shared future and the three G global initiative. It's man aimed at or it's making an attempt to provide Chinese sort of uh, thinking or Chinese vision to address, I mean, the division or the divide between uh, uh, global north and global north and south, um, and particularly on the um, finding a way to address the challenges. And last but not least, I think China also made very clear that it's ready to work with Europe work with the United States to make this initiative or these initiatives more workable, more effective. That is exactly, I think, China is what has made, I mean, make the argument by promoting or advocating the idea of true multilateralism. But the most important thing China has, again, repeatedly said, it is not one to build up or set up a new uh, sort of international order or system. Rather, it will want to make this system, the current system, more equitable, more accountable, and more effective. Several moving elements. One is the U.S. Uh, presidential election, which many consider as one of the biggest uncertainties of the world in the year 2024 and probably beyond. The other thing is economies are going through different stages in their development. As you say, uh, geopolitics is so closely related to geoeconomics. How do you see these uh, different elements are likely to have an impact on many what you what all of you have been beautifully illustrating uh, about uh, diplomacy 2024, Professor Bruckner? Well, it only underlines how important it is to stay in close contact and to use all possible diplomatic channels to better understand how we all see the world and what we would prefer as practical solutions and not like getting lost in ideological battles or very big pictures that don't lose the ability to address the problems on the ground. There is so much that urgently needs to be addressed and that uses diplomatic tools that we 
should learn from the positive examples of last year that diplomacy can help fix problems and that multilateralism is not something that we have to invent because it's already there, but we have to sit down and see how we can improve this. Uh, Professor Singh. I think, first of all, elections in the United States uh, will keep the leaders fairly engaged in terms of domestic engagements, may not see them traveling too often to attend international forums. But nevertheless, when it comes to United States, foreign policy remains integral part of the speeches made by leaders in contestations uh, with each other you know, during their election speeches. So foreign policy narratives will continue, uh, but mostly at home rather than in international forums in that sense. But nevertheless, I think this year is also year of elections around the world. Mm. I was reading somewhere 70 countries are going for elections. And that to me does create a certain amount of vibrancy, certain amount of enthusiasm, certain amount of activism in, in all these countries, which should help them revive their uh, geoeconomics, but also have perhaps positive spin-off impact on the political relationships, uh -huh. uh, particularly of the major powers who are trying to find out how to really come back and, and restart uh, dealing with each other on more normal terms, rather than you know ratcheting up the relationship. So I would possibly hope that this year I would see you know major powers relations stabilizing, and uh, you know issues uh, like Ukraine uh, had sort of disrupted that relationship last year uh, should be addressed and stabilized in in this year. I think that's exactly uh, one of the purposes of the speech or China's uh, diplomacy is meant to that is say in this uh, uncertain and fluid world. And particularly, we're talking about the inter sort of linking or interwoving of the geopolitics and geoeconomics, uh, uh, in which our way, and I think unprecedentedly, we have so many countries, major countries, United States and uh, Russia, India, certainly, and Europe. I mean, we're also talking about the changes. I mean, in the elections may, so, I mean, uh, uh, lead to changes and unpredictable changes reflecting the dynamics at home, the politics, the, the polarization, and the, the, all these are going to create, I mean, uncertainties. And so what we need at this moment most is certainties, is stabilities. And I think China's diplomacy is one of the, I mean, for China, for Chinese diplom diplomacy is make efforts to provide help provide some sense of uh, stability and predictability. That's why the speech is very much important in setting, not only setting out its goals, but emphasizing mm -hmm. the purposes of Chinese diplomacy. For, uh, if you talk about the globalization, I think again, the speech says very well about asking for uh, 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 inclusive and uh, equitable balanced economic globalization and of right. course the multilateralism. China's economy is in transition. The growth rate has been going down uh, rather than up. Well, probably many economies suggest that's the most natural thing. You cannot expect an economy to grow with uh, a rapid speed all the time. But uh, that does bring some change to the interactions between China 
and the developing world. And yet, uh, with Chinese economy in transition, uh, the logic will not change, and yet the way of doing things might be changing. So what does that mean uh, to the nature of China's diplomacy and also to the ways China is to do its diplomacy with the global south, with the developing countries? China is making great efforts and I think has made some pro big progress in terms of transforming the development model or development sort of approach from uh, a high rate of growth to high quality uh, uh, ones by uh, focusing very much on domestic consumption, on the reform, further reform and opening up. And that's all the time for today. If you'd like to know more, search World Inside in our YouTube channel. You can also follow us on X and Facebook. I'm Tian Wei on behalf of my team. Thanks for being with us.